0: Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. We have finally arrived At chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, I'm sure you've all been wondering what we're gonna do when we got to the chapter on tongues and prophecy. So, you have chosen well to show up today. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is actually the last chapter in a section that started back at the beginning of chapter 12, if you'll remember, when Paul said, now about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about how that's kind of, that, that she, that's the way he says he's moving on to a new question. First uh, Corinthians, we've talked about this a lot. He's answering all these questions from a letter they sent to him, but we don't have that letter, so we gotta kind of figure out the questions from what he says. Fortunately, he often tells us what the question was, or he quotes something that they said. Now you're saying this, but really this. So usually we can figure out by reading between the lines what it is they were asking him. But so far he hasn't really answered that. He said about spiritual gifts, he didn't tell us anymore. He's been very general. He's talked about everyone who's a Christian has a spiritual gift. If you're a follower of Christ, you've received Christ's spirit and Christ's spirit is going to show up somewhere in your life. It's going to manifest itself is Paul's fancy way of saying it. It's going to appear. And so he said that's true for everybody who's a follower of Christ. We all have some gift. Their their gifts are to build up the church. They're not just for us personally. And he talked last week in chapter 13 about our motivations. Why do we use our gifts? It's not just about us. It's about love and building people up. Now here in 14, finally, he's gonna get specific. Like what did they actually ask him? What's his actual response? So I'm gonna read all of chapter 14. It's fairly long, so settle back. And let's go along together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and I speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a, a pipe or a harp, how will anyone know what the tune is being played unless there's a distinction in notes? Again, if the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who's put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what you're saying? You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it's written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and they are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So then, what shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that church may, the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophet are subject to the control of the prophet's. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord. Women should remain silent in the churches. They must not be allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. You know, my motto in preaching is, read the Bible, try not to mess it up. This one takes some work. So I told you, we're in this section that they've asked him some question about spiritual gifts. He, he's told us that. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit. And he's gone on to it. And finally here, we expect to hear him tell us the question or we expect him here to quote something to us. Nothing. Nada. Zippo. We have no clue what they asked him. It obviously has something to do with the gift of tongues and prophecy because that's what he talks about all through this section. But we have no idea what he asked them. And some of the things he says just come out of nowhere. Look at verse 34. Women should remain silent in the churches. So right above that, he's talked about Prophets speaking in the churches, and now he says women should be silent. If this was all we had of the letter, we'd say, oh, okay, women aren't prophets. Only men can be prophets. But think back just a few weeks ago to chapter 11. We have a whole, it's a half a chapter on the rules for when women prophesy in church. And it's another one where we don't know the question, but they either have to have their head covered, like, you know, with a shawl or something. Or maybe they have to have hair. They can't have cut their hair off and dedicated it to, to some other God. Maybe you, that, that's what it is. Or maybe it's metaphorical and it means that they have to, their husband has to be there or their father. Or we don't know. We have no clue what he means when he says that. But he clearly says women can prophesy in church. So unless Paul is totally schizophrenic The one thing he cannot possibly mean in verse 34 is women can't prophesy, even though that's exactly what it looks like he's saying. He would be contradicting what he just said a few chapters ago. They've asked him a question and we don't know. He actually doesn't say women should remain silent. He says the women should remain silent. That could be all women. That's the way the NIV has taken it. Or it could be a group of women. They may have asked him a question about this group of women in the church. And he's saying, okay, tell them to be quiet we don't know. We don't know what the question is. And I've told you before how dangerous that is. Imagine you heard me say to my son, Nick, make sure the pool is full before the kids come. Right? What does that mean? Well, you're probably going to think that means full of water because that's normally what pools are full of. I'm telling Nick, make sure the pool's full of water before the kids come. If that were the Bible, we'd make the application, pools always need to be full of water. But what if our pool's totally broken, can't hold water, and we've had it filled in with dirt? And I'm saying to my son, make sure the dirt is full. We don't want anybody tripping and falling into that, what used to be the pool, right? Then the application is pools are bad and you shouldn't have them. We could take the exact same sentence and come up with two totally different applications, Based on what we fill in, what was the question? What was the circumstance? We don't know about so much of this chapter. So we're gonna do the same thing we did in the other places where we don't know. We're not gonna make theology out of it. We're not gonna say, okay, here's what it is. You have to do this. We're just gonna leave it out there and say, well, hopefully the Lord will give us instruction later. Although in the past 2000 years, we haven't figured a lot of this chapter out. So what can we come up with? Like, what can we say for sure out of this chapter for ourselves that, that we can use, that, that I am confident telling you that I am not gonna have to stand before Jesus someday and say, oh, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was, yeah, you're right, that didn't make any sense, did it? Um, he's, he's talking about these two gifts, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. So let's do some definitions first because I don't, we probably don't necessarily understand either of those today. They're not normal in our world today. They were totally normal in Paul's world. Tongues and prophecy were completely normal in all religion, in Paul's world. Tongues is speaking in a language that you do not know. So you're saying things, but you don't understand what you're saying. And if you remember last week in chapter 13, Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... That maybe you're saying something that's in a human language. Maybe it's not even a human language. Maybe it's just something else. It's sometimes, for some people, it seems like it's just it's just an outburst. It's an ecstatic utterance. We actually do that. Hallelujah. That's Hebrew. Hallel praise. Lou, that's you. A command. Yah is the first Yahweh. You're speaking in tongues when you say Hallelujah. You're saying something in a language you don't understand. That's what tongues is. And for some people, it's just a momentary thing. And for some people, it goes on. They have whole prayers. They have whole conversations in a language that they don't understand. And Paul says that tongues are normal. He says he wishes that everyone spoke in tongues. He says that he speaks in tongues. He says that don't forbid tongues. In Paul's world, tongues was totally normal. And he says, if you've got God's spirit in you, God's spirit's gonna show up in places. One of the places it may show up in your life is tongues. Now, what he also says about that, again, things that I'm totally clear he says, is that the gift of tongues is for personal edification. Remember, he talked before about how everyone has a gift for For the whole church to be used for everyone. Tongues, he says over and over again, is not a gift for everybody. It's a gift for you. And so he says things like whoever speaks in a tongue doesn't talk to other people, they just talk to God. Whoever speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That tongues is something that God does to encourage you personally. Now, full disclosure, I do not have the gift of tongues. I've never spoken in tongues, so I can't say this from personal experience. But I know lots of people who do have the gift. And I know lots of people who've related and and talked about it. There are many people for whom, at the deepest, darkest moments of their life and their walk with Christ, they opened their mouth and stuff came out that they had no clue what it was they said that was so encouraging because they couldn't pray that's what Paul says in Romans when we can't pray the spirit prays for us in groanings that we don't understand and there are a lot of Christians that that's their experience when they are at the darkest deepest place in their Christian life and they don't know what to pray and then they they can't even get words out things start coming out of their mouth and the spirit prays for them. They don't know what they're saying, but God knows what they're saying. What needs to be prayed, what they need to ask God for, God's spirit has them ask it. And you can imagine that would be really, really encouraging. Tongues is a gift to build you up personally And again, lots of Christians throughout the ages, Christians in this room, okay? There's folks in our church who speak in tongues. Christians throughout the ages have found this to be a huge comfort to know that when you didn't know what to pray, when you didn't know what to do, Jesus could pray through you. That the Spirit could could pray through you. That when you didn't know what to sing and you didn't know what to say, that the spirit could take over your vocal cords and say what needed to be said. Tongues is God's mercy and encouragement to his people. Now, you know, not to everybody, not to all the time. That's, Paul said that so many times. God gives the gifts he wants to give in the times he wants to give them for his purposes. Sometimes God wants to give his followers Speaking in tongues, a language they don't understand. He wants to let the spirit speak through them. It's for personal edification. And the other thing Paul says over and over again is, we don't do it in public services. Because public services are not for personal edification. They're for mutual edification. We are not here to be edified. we'll talk about that more as we go on and as we get into prophecy But we're not here at church, at least I hope not, for what we can just get. We're not sponges sitting down saying, yes, feed me, fill me, here I am. We are here to give as much as we are to get. And because tongues is only personal, we don't do it in church services. And again, part of what we don't understand about that passage is Paul seems to say that you could speak in tongues, but if, there's a, if it's interpreted and it's hard to translate and it's hard to understand, some people think he means that you have the gift of tongues and someone else has the gift of interpretation. And if you know that, it's okay to stand up and say, other commentators say, no, it's not someone else. It's you have to have the gift of interpretation. If you are speaking to yourself in church, in tongues, and suddenly you know what it means, That's God talking to you. That's something God may want you to say to someone. Again, where we don't know what it means, we don't understand it, we just let it sit there and say, okay, Lord, that's up to you. When you want to explain that to us, go ahead. We don't do tongues in public services because it doesn't encourage anyone. It doesn't build anyone up. It doesn't edify anyone. It just edifies the person speaking. It encourages you. But it doesn't encourage me. I mean, that's why I don't preach in French. Je peux. Je peux parler français. On peut faire tout la coup en français. Oh, c'est chouette, n'est-ce pas? N'est-ce pas? Yeah, not that exciting, is it? Everything I said made perfect sense. But you didn't understand it. So it didn't build you up. It didn't encourage you. You couldn't answer me when I said to you, isn't that right? You couldn't say back to me, yes, that's right. There's no engagement. That's what tongues is, Paul says. It's great for you, but it's not for anyone else. So Paul says, you know what? Keep tongues between you and God. That's what it's for. Here in the church service, Paul says, everything we do is to build one another up so what we do is we prophesy now before we jump into prophecy let me just say let me step out of the sermon for a minute and just do a quick aside okay tongues is weird like I get it if you've never experienced it it's weird and I suspect if you have experienced it it might be even weirder all right so if you have had an experience with tongues and you don't know what to do with it like if you've been praying and stuff has come out of your mouth and you're not sure about that And you're just like, I'm not gonna tell anyone about this ever because they'll think I'm crazy. Come tell me about it. I will not think you're crazy. I mean, if you've got stuff going on, if you've experienced this or you've heard other people do it and you're not know what to do, feel free to come talk to me. I'll be happy to chat with you about that. Again, I don't have the gift. I can't tell it to you personally, but I can tell you what the scriptures say about it. And there are people in our church I know who speak in tongues. There's folks in leadership I know who speak in tongues. I am happy to connect you with someone who does understand this, and this is a gift God had given you, just as if you had the gift of hospitality and you came to me and you said, oh, Jeff, I'm, I'm just suddenly inviting people over to my house all the time. I, I don't know what to do. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I would say to you, that's the gift of hospitality. It, it's a gift in scripture. And I'd hook you up with some, again, I don't have the gift of hospitality either. If you've ever been to my house, you know that. I would hook you up with some people that, that do have that gift that you could learn and you could grow in these things. If, if something's happened with you, you've had a bad experience with tongues or, or something, you've been freaked out or whatever, you are welcome to come chat with me. We'll go get a cup of coffee. Well, can we, again, we'll talk about it in English, but I'm happy to talk with you about this, to hook you up with people who can have more knowledge and can help you in some of these things. But tongues is personal edification. And when we're here, This is corporate edification. And so Paul says, what you wanna do when we're together is to prophesy. Now again, we gotta define some terms because we usually think of prophecy as telling the future. We think of prophecy as fortune telling. And unfortunately, that's actually what the word means. Pro, before, fami, to say. Prophecy is to speak something ahead of time. But that's not what it means. Prophecy in the scriptures is specific, application from God it is taking what God has said and applying it specifically to a circumstance the scriptures say do not steal prophecy is saying hey don't take that that's stealing it's making a specific example It's taking what God has said and applying it in some specific circumstances. Now, sometimes that includes telling the future because you are explaining what is going to happen if you follow this path or you follow this path. But don't think of prophecy normally as like Elijah on the mountains with the, you know, the priests of Baal calling them to a contest. That is in scripture, it does happen, but it is a fraction of a fraction, okay? So to prove this to myself, I randomly opened to a bunch of places in the prophets, okay? And every single time it was true. So one of the times, the first time I randomly opened, I opened to Ezekiel chapter 13. So I'm gonna read it to you. This is Ezekiel prophesying. Listen to what he says. Listen to how he says it. Let me read the first nine verses. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations a lie. Even though the Lord has not sent them, they say, the Lord declares and expect him to fulfill their words. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say, the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because of your false words and lying visions, I am against you, declares the sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. Did you hear? What is he doing? And in this, in this case, it's God speaking to Ezekiel, Right. He's talking to people who are claiming to speak for him, but they're just making it up out of their own minds, right? And he's saying, don't do that. That makes me angry when you use my name to try and prove whatever you want. That's not new in, in Ezekiel. That's back in, in, in Deuteronomy. God says not to do that. I mean, lying is forbidden all the way back in, in the, the Ten Commandments, This isn't some new revelation of, oh my gosh, you're not allowed to pretend to be a prophet? I never knew. That's already, God's already told us that in scripture. This is specific. God is speaking to a specific group of prophets in a specific city, in a specific time. And he's saying, this is what you're doing, stop it. And did you notice there was a little future telling in there at the very end. He said to them, because you treat me this way, you will not return to Israel. You won't be in the council, you won't be on the list, you won't go back. There will be a return. Someday, the Israelites are gonna go back to Jerusalem and God says, you will not be among them because of the way you treat me and treat my name. That's prophecy. Taking what God has said before and making it specific to a situation. So if you find out that a friend of yours is cheating on their expense reports. Like they've found some way to game the system so that they get the per diem and they get their meals paid. And you come to them, they claim to be a Christian. You're like, dude, you, you gotta stop that. Like you're, you're, you're lying, you're stealing from your boss. You, you, you are defaming the name of Christ. Someone's gonna find that out and you're gonna lose your job. You just prophesied. You took what the scripture says, lying is wrong, cheating is wrong, stealing is wrong, and you applied it specifically to someone in a specific situation. And you also told them the future. If you keep doing that, it will be found out and you will lose your job. That's prophecy. And the reason you can do that is because you have the spirit of God. In the Old Testament, nobody had God's spirit. It hadn't been given yet. God had to put it onto certain people at certain times for them to be able to to do this, to specifically apply things. But there's a prophet, Joel, who says, thus saith the Lord, the days are coming when I will pour out my spirit on all the earth and your sons and your daughters will all prophesy. The very first sermon ever preached after the resurrection of Christ is in Acts 2. Peter stands up and he preaches like I preach. He reads a passage of scripture and he explains it. That's the passage of scripture he reads. He reads that, that, those verses from Joel. And he says, folks, that's today. That prophecy from the 800s BC, it just happened. It's Jesus. If you will turn to Jesus, God will pour out his spirit on you. You will all prophesy all of you who have God's spirit, all of you who name the name of Christ, you can do this. You you can do this kind. This is biblical prophecy. What I'm doing right now is very close to biblical prophecy. I'm taking what God said and I'm explaining it for our situation, specifically for us today with what's happening for us. That's prophecy. And Paul says, We should all be prophesying. We should all be praying for God to be doing that in us. Now, for some people, it's a gift. Like God's spirit is particularly at work in it, but we're all called to do it. Like hospitality, we are all called to be hospitable. It's a command, but also it's a gift. Some people are just really good at it. For some people, God's spirit shows up when they exercise hospitality, but we're all supposed to be doing it. We are all supposed to be prophesying. We're all supposed to be encouraging one another. We're all supposed to be taking what the scripture says and saying it back to each other. And and it doesn't have to be like I gave you a bad example, right? It can also be a good example. When someone has died and someone is grieving and we say to them, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because the scriptures say that. The scriptures say no one who has died in Christ is gone ever. God will never lose them. That's prophecy. We take what the scriptures say and we apply it to someone. And Paul says we should all be doing that. We should all be praying for that. We should all be looking for opportunities because that's why we're here. We are here for mutual edification. You are not here for me to edify you and you to go home edified. Although absolutely, I hope that happens. I'm here to edify you, that's my job. But it's your job to edify me. And it's your job to edify each other. And if you came here today thinking, okay, what am I gonna get? Is the music gonna be good? Is the sermon gonna be good? Am I gonna learn anything that's helpful? Am I gonna sing anything I like? What's in it for me? Wow, you remember a couple weeks ago, chapter 11, when Paul talked about communion and he said to the Corinthians, some of you, you're just in it for what you can get out of it. That's why some of you are sick and that's why some of you are dead because God despises that. We are called to encourage each other. When you come, come asking God, who do you want me to encourage today? How do you want me to speak to someone today? Who do you want me to build up How do you want me to be used by you to edify your church? You will absolutely be edified as well. You will absolutely receive. You will absolutely be built up yourself. But it's because we are all doing it. Remember, we're a body. Can you imagine what would happen if your elbows decided one day, yeah, I'm not showing up today. Sorry, Jeff. Nope, no elbows today, right? Can I get around like this? Well, sure. I mean, you know. It's a little harder to turn the page, but it can be done. Yes, I can live without my elbows, but I don't want to. That's what happens when we think to ourselves, oh yeah, yeah, what do you you got for me today? I'm here for me. Is the church gonna serve me? Am I gonna like it? What's gonna happen? That's not why we're here. We are here to build each other up, scripture says. We are here to speak truth to one another, to prophesy, To speak truth from God. Because we all get discouraged. We all get blinders on and we don't see things. We all miss stuff. We need one another. I mean, that is what Paul has been saying throughout all three of these chapters. Again, there's tons of this chapter I do not understand. I have no trouble understanding this theme that runs through all three. We are here to build each other up. Every single one of us has a role to play. The church staff has a role to play. And you have a role to play. Okay, it's not as upfront and forward as my role is today, but you absolutely have a role. There is some way the Lord wants to use you to build up his body. That's what Paul keeps saying. That's why we get together. That's why we're here. When you come in, come in asking the Lord, how do you want me to build someone up today? How do you want me to encourage someone today? How do you want me to be part of what you're doing to edify your people? Because that's why we come. And I guarantee you, I mean, hundred percent, I have no trouble saying this is a, this is just a fact. If that's how you come to church, you will absolutely go home full. You will absolutely go home edified. It doesn't matter if the music stinks and I fall all over myself and I preach the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. If your attitude is to come and say, how can I serve? Lord, use me. How are you going to use me today? How am I going to encourage someone? What scripture can I bring to someone to to build them up, to encourage them, to to show them the truth? Oh, God will do that. God is looking for people to do that. You will absolutely go home having been filled because that's why we're here. Again, there's a lot about tongues and prophecy I don't understand, but there's a few things that I do. We are supposed to be encouraging each other. For some of us, the Lord will give us the gift of tongues to encourage us personally. But for all of us, Paul says, we are to be eagerly desiring gifts that build up the church. We are to be eagerly desiring gifts that, that edify one another, that, that build each other up, that make one another strong. That's why we're here. So I'm gonna pray over us as I always do when I end. I'm gonna ask God's spirit to speak to you. Are there ways he wants you to build other people up? Are there ways he wants you to edify someone? He could do it all himself. I mean, he would have no problem just showing up and doing everything that needs to be done for all of us. But you know, for God, every day is bring your kids to work day. He's just bringing us with him right? And like, here, go for it. Do I do it as well as he does? No, not even close. But he likes it. He wants us to grow and be like him and do these things. He wants us to have some of the joy that he has in building people up. Jesus went to the cross, it said, for the joy set before him. He wants to share the joy of serving others with us. So let's pray. Jesus, um, Again, Lord, I readily admit there's a ton about this passage. I am just not sure what Paul is saying. And it comforts me that all the commentaries I read don't know what he's saying either. This is just something you haven't shared with us. You haven't explained to us what this is. But Lord, I, I do know that, that you are good and you are kind, that, that you give gifts to encourage us and you give gifts so we can encourage each other. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, I pray, Jesus, how do you want us to use our gifts? How do you want us to be people who do exactly what Paul said? We look for opportunities to edify and to build people up. We look for chances to speak truth to people, to take what the scripture says and to tell them, no, this, this is what God says. This is what is happening. This is truth. And Jesus, I pray for all of us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that, that don't have that attitude. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would change us that we would come to church each week asking you, how do you want us to encourage someone? How do you want us to edify someone? How do you wanna use me to build your body up today? I pray, Lord, you would make that true for us. We are going to walk out of here and we won't be back for a week. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would remind us that you would remind us throughout the week that that if we don't know what our gifts are, you would show us, you would bring people into our lives to show us that that we would know how you have gifted and called us to be part of building up the worldwide body of Christ. Jesus, you want us to do that and we want to obey you. So I pray for us. I pray that that would be true in our church, that Dunwoody Community Church would be a place where brothers and sisters come to edify one another We don't just come to be fed. We come to give ourselves away as well and to know the joy that you have in doing that. And so I pray this in your name, Lord, because we cannot do this without you. We need you to make this a joy for us. Lord, we ask all these things in your name, Jesus, always in your name, because we're yours. Amen.